You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 42. Episode 42, and man, do we have something to start the podcast off with this week. The uh, So, over at the Legends Poker Room, which is definitely one of the ones we play at the most. I would say you play at by far the most, right? Oh, absolutely. It's right by my apartment. Yeah. So, it's a... Uh, a Someone came in with an assault rifle... And tried to rob the place. And from what I hear, about like one thirty in the morning, and, and man, I tell you what, I just an absolute, I guess, good and bad story. The good story is the security guard. Then, when he I think asked for the money, uh, basically wrestles him to the ground, uh, and subdues this guy. All the while, this is, I mean, this is a loaded gun. It is going off into, like, the wall, right? Oh, no, absolutely. It was going off right into the wall. And luckily, the security guard, when he grabbed him, he, like, pointed the gun when they, like, when they were kind of wrestling on the ground. They both were holding the gun, but luckily it was pointed at the wall. And, I mean, it looked like quite a few rounds went off into the wall, right into the brick. Yeah, it was pretty, I mean, pretty intense just looking at the video. I can't imagine being there, but I was, uh... A pretty amazing feat by someone, uh, which I'm hoping gets more and more run. Uh, he does have what? It, oh God, what do they call the thing when they? Oh, a GoFundMe. A GoFundMe. Uh, it is Traylon Robinson. I'm sure if you look at like the the uh, website and just look for you know Poker at Legends, it's gonna the story's gonna pop up everywhere, and he'll have the GoFundMe. Uh, I donated. It's on my Facebook of Clint Nelson. So you can find it there. Uh, but, I mean, great to have somebody, you know, put themselves at risk. I mean, a real hero to the poker community. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a hero in general. Yeah. I mean, talk about stepping up. I mean, no hesitation. When you watch the video, that guy came running in, and then that dude was just right on him. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it was I mean, like we saw the clip, and what was it's interesting to me is how fast everything happened. Oh, yeah. It's a... Well, it was weird because, like, he came running in not from the front door, right? Yeah, that was the weird part. Kind of almost near the kitchen in the back. I mean, I don't know what... I don't know how... Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know how all of that occurred. But, I mean, because I was expecting, well, like, looking at the video, like, from the coming in from the front door. But, yeah, like, coming in somewhere... Coming somewhere in the back, somewhere, I don't know. Maybe the, well, I mean, there's all speculation because we just have the camera. So, I mean, the only things over there is, like, where the kitchen is. Isn't there a smoking patio back there, too? No, oh, is there? Okay. I think so. It's a... Uh... But, yeah, very limited places to come in. But I was very surprised to see him coming from the back. This is... So, this is going to lead into another topic as well. Because, I mean, this guy really did, I mean, I want the focus to be on, like, Traylon Robinson and him actually, you know, subduing this guy. Because, I mean, you don't see heroic stuff all the the time, and that is amazing. Uh, Definitely want people to go support him. But 
poker is gigantic in Texas right now. Probably bigger than anywhere else. You would, I would say. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. We've now had two things because I think the poker community is going to look and be like, okay, like this guy is like you know a hero and everything. I do believe that a lot of people outside the poker community will look at it and be like, well, people coming in, armed robbery and everything, that's what happens when you have gambling. And I do think that part is a bad look for I mean, because, I mean, you could look at it, if you're in the industry, then you can look at it as, well, these places have been underground. If anything, it's way safer than it was, you know, five to ten years ago. Right, that's what I was going to say, because I haven't played, I never really played in the underground days, but I know you... Um, were around then. How often were there security guards at those games? They would have security pretty often, uh, but I mean, it was still way more, way more dangerous. I mean, it was just like you see uh, that video we did. I mean, they can't really go to the cops on anything, so they were huge. Tar- I mean, the place was with a bunch of money with huge targets. Oh, you're talking about? There's a clip on YouTube. There's like a Vice clip about New York poker. That's what Clint's referring to, if you're wondering what clip. <laughs> yeah, it was a, uh, but it was just, you know, it's way, way safer than it ever has been. But from somebody who's never played, who, who a lot of people might not even know that underground poker even exists in use in uh, Texas. So I think it's a bad look. On top of this, Dallas, I, you heard they awarded like everybody. Uh, licenses to, for their the poker rooms and everything, Texas Card House and all of those over there. And, like, like after, literally they just, after giving it, I think, like, two or three months ago, they literally just reverted it and took it back. I would say, like, people don't, I don't think people understand that in Texas and poker, it is huge right now, but it's built on a house of cards right now. Right, which is why, like we always say, we really only, as best we can, support the people who are doing it within the guidelines, right? I mean, Absolutely. because any given day, you know, I mean, it all could go away. I mean, it's still kind of a great, I mean, that's the nature of a gray area. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's big enough that I think it's it would be tougher now than it was at the beginning. But, I mean, we saw what happened when they raided Prime and Post Oak. I mean, pretty much every place shut down. There were like one or two uh, that felt like they were doing it enough by the rules. But, yeah, and supporting these ones who are doing it right, it's going to be, like I say, when it's a gray area, you don't, when if, if something happens at one of these that are doing it wrong, they get shut down, they get raided, something happens, the poker community will realize, you know, hey, well, that was them. They're doing it wrong, and that's, you know, all that. But people in general are just going to lump poker together. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, people who just don't know the difference, don't even know what a rake is, a time fee, none of that. All they know is they see poker rooms are shutting down for illegal activity. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you grew up in a family that, you know, they're okay with gambling and stuff. I grew up around people who don't do it at all, and I can tell you right now, none of them even know what a rake is. Yeah, you're exactly right. Nobody knows what a rake is, so they definitely don't know the difference. So I think this is something that, like, in coming elections and everything, 
the poker community really needs to step up and I'm not saying if you're Republican, you know, you vote with your conscience. If you're Democrat, vote with your conscience. But I'll tell you what, if somebody is, I know somebody is more likely to be more accepting of poker, regardless of Republican or Democrat. I mean, it's not the only thing I'm looking for, but it is something I'm looking for uh, in these elections. Because this could, as good as this has been, it could be taken away. No, absolutely. But I mean, back to the original point. Oh, um, didn't want to take away from uh, the security guard tackling that guy. I mean, absolute hero. But the one thing I thought that was very strange when I watched that video back, the guy who was robbing the place, he went to the front. Obviously, had never been there before, right? I mean, why no, he... I had heard from people that he had been there before, that he had played there before. But okay, but but hear this out though. Why would he go to the front where we get free entry? Why wouldn't he have gone to the cage? Uh, I thought that was weird too. I, I mean, don't. I have no idea. But I mean, well, I'm sure that you know. I mean, not much thought process going on. But still, I mean, if you've been there, I mean, you know, the money isn't at the front. But I mean, if that's your, if that's the uh, process, then I don't know why you would even go that route of going around announcing what you're doing. What, I mean, if, uh, I could also be like, well, why don't you just walk up to the cage and show him a gun and be like, hey, I want all the money right now. Or, I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that, like, I'm not sure the, I'm not sure the guy was, you know, super strategy, but I did hear that he had played there before. I think it was just weird to me that that's where it, that was just the one odd thing. But really, that was the good thing that he went to the front, because that's where the security guard is. Yeah. I mean, it's very... A very a whole, the whole thing, yeah, is very weird. I mean, like I say, I, I mean, my takeaway from it is such a amazing story about, you know, someone who obviously put their life on the line. Uh, but, yeah, the whole thing is very, very, very weird. And it's kind of crazy to think how you just kind of... Just when you go play poker so much, I mean, everything has its risks. I mean, you probably grow complacent just going all the time and just not even think about, you know, I mean, that there are still lots of risks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're the, the more you're in an environment, just in general, I feel like you, like you say, you go grow complacent over what that environment is. And, you know, it's, and I think especially for like some of us who've been playing like a long time in the underground days and everything, it is safer, but it doesn't mean it's without risk. I mean, obviously there's risk to everything. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to some of your sessions, but I guess, you know, if you can go support uh, the GoFundMe. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, so I've been playing at Paramount quite a bit. It's the closest to me. I really like the place. Uh, and I like to mix it up, but just uh, Paramount's been the place I've been going to recently. I go in there and, man, uh, end up next to this kind of drunkish, having a good time dude. I mean, definitely not the normal grinder type. He's directly to my left. I'm card dead for a little while. Not a long while. Like, I mean, about uh, maybe a round, an orbit or so. <laughs> That's how I know you're running good. I'm carded at how long? One orbit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just <laughs> sat down. So, because that that goes into this, I uh, it it folds uh, it 
there's like a bunch of limping, and it limps around to me, and I got four or five offsuit. And I'm like, well, okay, $2. You know, I don't really want to look like I'm just grinding to no end. I want to be able to get some action. So I go ahead and just make the call. But how many limpers were there? Probably three or four. Okay, I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I was going to say you can kind of justify it, but I don't know. I mean, shoot. You did it, so we'll just hear what, hear I mean, what happened. Yeah, justify it by I put two dollars in, so that's what in the. Uh, uh, I'm not saying it's a great play, but I mean, yeah, I mean it limped around. I mean, or no, I didn't mean justify. So, I mean, I wonder if it's the right play to be playing if there's so much money in there and you're in position. I think it's. I mean, if you're playing by the book correctly, I definitely think it's fold. But could it be profitable? Yeah, I mean. Is I mean, if you have bad enough players and they're going to stack off on everything, then a lot of stuff's profitable. Uh, but I make the call. It just the uh, small blind completes and big blind uh, checks. It comes four, five, eight. The kind of now this is very weird because the kind of drunkest dude bets thirty. There's twelve dollars in the pot. <laughs> uh, weird enough. Then it comes around and somebody calls, who's actually a pretty decent player. It comes back around to me, and I'm like, you know, I have been running like crap. If I have flopped two pair to like a set of eights and they limped, or six, seven, my data just goddamn lose. And I, so I make it a hundred, th- thinking that it's probably just going to fold out everybody. That's what I would think. Yeah, but I like the bet size of a hundred. That's I think that's pretty good right there. Good to hear it. The, uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, <laughs> I bet a hundred, and the guy tanks for a little bit, and ends up making the call. The kind of the the drunk dude. The other guy folds. Uh the other the next card's like a queen or something that really doesn't matter at this point. Uh and then he looks at me. He's like, "Well, I'll go all in." I'm like, "Obviously, I call." I mean, it's a hundred, and it's now a hundred into <laughs> you know a decent a decent sized pot. So he just shows over top pair of eights, and I show over two pair, run it out. It's good. Uh, and from then on, it was one of those sessions that just nothing was really hard about it ever. Like I was flopping really good hands, getting paid like getting paid off. Uh, so I end up cashing out, buying in for two hundred, cashing out for nine thirty after time. So it was a that was a very a nice session when you're on a downswing to kind of have something just kind of go real smoothly for the entire time. I'm envious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I then go back and then just it's the complete opposite. <laughs> I mean, just running like crap. Can't get can't get good hands. When I do get good hands, it's just a complete whiff. Multi way pots. Nothing is heads up. So I'm in for. 200 and like 20 minutes later I add on for like 60 because I'm already short stacked uh then I bust out I'm like well save my chair I'm gonna get 200 uh go 200 again and then it ends up uh I and it just keeps going crappy so I finally I'm down to like 120 on my second buy-in 110 it's an Omaha hand Mm, this is gonna be horrible. Uh, 
I have King Queen Ten Three. I think it's Rainbow Two. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, someone makes uh, it's two dollars. Somebody makes it like thirty. I I think it must have been a straddle to make that raise. I'm just I mean I'm just like in fuck it mode. I'm like I can't hit anything. Whatever. I go ahead and just pot it and shove. Well, was there another caller after the thirty? Probably. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, get called. Just, I mean, you know how Omaha is. Nobody's ever folding anything. Get called by everything. One guy I, uh, I later heard had pocket aces. How many people called? Maybe four. I was about to say, because you made it sound like one person called. No, four, like four people called. Yeah. Uh, now, one might have been for less. I don't remember. Uh but it's definitely not heads up because that's kind of what I was. No, definitely sure. not heads up. So the flop comes about as good as I can hope for. Queen ten, like eight. Uh no, okay. That was the jack nine was not a straight there. Uh, I think it was like queen ten, like five or something. Uh, so I'm instantly thinking this is a great flop for me, and there's a flush draw. But I'm like, the chances of this running out and me being good are. Literally, probably almost zero. Uh, and it runs out to, like, make, like, eight straights. I don't think the flush gets there. And at the end, I'm like, okay, well, I'm done. I'm like, I have two pair, and that's it. And everybody at the table looks at two pair, and they're like, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was the amazing poker skill of <laughs> shoving in Omaha with a very suspect hand. And getting lucky on that one. Right, that's when you let Clint's skill took over. That, I mean, that's just flat out, just soul-reading at the table. Did you tell when you scooped it in, the better player won today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the better the better player won that hand. Well, it's, a, it's about to get a lot dirtier. <laughs> uh, so, now I've, like, I've got a decent stack. I win a couple hands and all that, and I'm rolling fairly decently. I'm probably, I'm probably down because it was a, a couple buy-ins, but not that much. We do a double board bomb pot on a hand that I have no interest in whatsoever. I mean, it's a horrible. Uh, these double board bomb pots are all Omaha, by the way. It's nothing to dream of. I do flop two pair. Uh, on the bottom board, I have ten three. It's ace ten three on there. The top board, there's a flush draw, and I have none of it. So, it checks around, I believe. No, I think it it's one where it, it was somebody bet like 10, the entire, like, and it just kind of inflates everything. And I'm like, well, two pair, let's see if, you know, what can happen here. I call, the turn is an 8 on the bottom. Now it's given given my 2 pair to 8-10 instead of 10-3. Uh, and giving me more outs for a boat, obviously. And then the turn on the top brings in a, like a gutter, gutter straight draw for me. So I still have almost nothing here. <laughs> Say, still super speculative. <laughs> but in my head, I thought like nobody could have... I, like, I was thinking I had top two pair for some reason, and there was no straight and flush on the bottom board. 
And I was like, okay, well, I have to be good. I was completely discounting Ace-3, Ace-8, and Ace-10, which are very possible, very likely hands for somebody to have, for that matter. Uh, and I go ahead and pot it. <laughs> and I get... I think it's a bet. I think it might have been even been like a small bet, and then I pot it. And then only one guy calls. No, it's a two people call. Mm. Uh, and then you want to talk about bad play being rewarded? I bink the gut shot straight draw, which is second nuts on the top board now, and I hit a three for a boat on the bottom board. So, I mean, I'm like, because I kind of realized what I did after I bet. I'm like, because I look back at my hand, I'm like, why in God's name would I do that? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, that's a horrible plot. <laughs> but once you get there, I have like 130 behind. I'm like, I'm all in. And, of course, one guy, I think one guy calls. One guy was on just a random draw and folds. Uh, and, I mean, I show. I'm like, I'm like, this is I'm like, I just hit the shit out of both rivers and and scoop this pot with the straight and the boat. But, I mean, you want to talk about just a day where I was not playing my A game and got rewarded for it. It it was ridiculous. God, man, that sounds like... I mean, those peel hands... I mean, I've had that happen to me, too, where it's like you just kind of somehow... not, Not misread your hand, but just somehow don't process the situation fully maybe yeah you just kind of misread the strength kind of yeah i mean i remember i've done that one time and where i thought i was like had like the mega nut draw and then i was like wait a second i think i only have a gut shot (laughs) (laughs) so i was like i got a 20 card wrap i got a 20 at 20 out wrap oh wait never mind i need a four (laughs) yeah yeah that happened to me one time and i was like this is not my game Four and only a four. Uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, well, I mean, I guess... Like I say, I mean, I did have a, a decent hand on bottom. I mean, there was no flush or straight out there, but... I mean, a ton of two pairs had me beat. And, I, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a bad bet at that moment. But for whatever reason, I just read it as way stronger. Like, I mean, the minute was I'm looking at it, I was like, oh, God. I mean, this is... This is horrible, actually. I mean, even... Even an ace, even a single ace probably has quite a few outs. I mean, if you have ace, you know, anything over a 10 can make that two a bigger two pair. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, was that all the sessions you played? Uh, that was, yeah. I mean, I did have one a small session at, at a smaller game where I lost 165. But overall, it was actually a pretty profitable week. I ended up, I think, up 950 on one session after time. Uh, up 350 on that session I just told, told about and lost 150 on the other. So finally a week where it was at least over a $1,000 week. So that was kind of nice. And this might be confusing because last episode we talked about you going to Vegas. That's right. So just to kind of avoid some confusion, um, you still haven't gone to Vegas. <laughs> no, but I will be soon. <laughs> yeah. By the time this podcast is out tonight, or well, yeah. it won't be tonight, but yeah. uh, later in the week. But we're actually recording earlier in the week, so we didn't miss an episode this week. So Clint's actually reviewing the end of last week where we left off. I was out of town, so I still haven't played a hand. I'm going to play a bunch of poker tonight and tomorrow and Thursday. But. 
Um, that'll be for next episode. So we're kind of recording early in the week. That's why I haven't played any because I was out of town um, uh, since last episode, and we haven't. Today's Monday, so. I think that's really good that you are out of town too. Because I mean, like, I know when I'm running bad, there's a lot of times I feel like I go to the table and I'm almost already on tilt before anything happens. And I don't know if that's where you were, but it sure seems like that's where you are getting very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like I should just hand my money to people as I walk in and just leave. <laughs> Avoid the dealer. Flashpot, guys. <laughs> yeah, or just say the dealer at the time of shuffling. <laughs> so I think I think it's a, a that break came at a good time for you. And like I say, I mean, I'm literally in the clothes I'm about to wear, and I am packed. And look, the minute we finish this podcast, I will be heading to the airport to go to Vegas. So hoping to make some good things happen there. I'm actually thinking about going to Prime today. I just can't. I mean, this is going to go into like the Daniel Nagranu, like more rake is better type thing. Okay, so we'll say it here. Clint says more rake is better. More rake, better. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, like, it doesn't. It doesn't get as much action because it is a twelve dollars an hour versus a ten. But me and you were talking, and there's a certain point that two dollars doesn't matter in the long run. Yes. But the last several times I've been at Prime, I've just been at a table where someone is just gift-wrapping money. I mean, now I'm saying I've been profitable every time. I mean, a lot of times they were just, you know, on fire and were hitting. But they, it was just a great game. And, you know, I kind of wonder if it just keeps those real tight grinders away and... It makes for a better game sometimes because, like, the two dollars an hour not huge in the long run, but if it keeps the better players away to a certain degree, and you've got these players who just don't give a crap, they just want to go and have a good time. I don't know. I mean, I like I've been very impressed by the games I've been getting in at Prime lately. No, absolutely. I'm thinking either. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I've had the same experience at Prime. I think Prime kind of lends itself, though, like the environment to like if someone wants to come in and have a good time. It's very possible there with the big bar and, you know, all the TVs. You can kind of sit down, play pool, a lot of drinks, pretty good food. I mean, I really think if you're there to have a good time and you have, you know, more money to spend, because I would say Paramount's a really good time if you just want to go have fun with friends. But, yeah, I mean, well, and I mean, Paramount would be another place where, I mean, it's, the games are pretty good, too. I mean, these places that kind of lend itself to having a good t- just being more like when you go to Legends, the only thing you think about is poker. But you go to Paramount, you think about like the big, the, like all the TVs there, the pool tables, the pinball machines. It's just a real laid back environment. Prime is like the night. It's not like Paramount. It's like the upscale niceness. But yeah, I, I completely agree with that theory. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking Prime today. You know, anything can change between now and then. But um, and then I'm actually, uh, well, actually, uh, before we move into that, that's was all your sessions this week. Yeah, that, that's else? that's it. Uh, well, I'm caught up at this point, so like, we'll uh. Okay, so we'll I'll keep going then. Yeah. So, and I'm actually planning on going to Texas Card House on um, Tuesday. Right. And as you know, we have a friend who, 
I don't know how he got into poker. I mean, maybe he just heard us talking about it and then watched some. It sounds like he's been watching videos by himself, too, on poker, watching stuff on TV. Right. And has really got an interest in it. And um, he says he wants to play. So I told him I'll meet him there and, you know, be his first time playing live poker. That's interesting because, I mean, it's so hard for me to think back to that. I mean, I I remember the first time I played, I think, live for money poker was at Isla Capri. Because that was the only place to play back in the day without going to, like, the underground rooms. And I remember being so, so damn nervous at the table when I first started playing there. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. I remember, I think, my first time playing... I'm sure I played at a casino, but then I played a tournament. And I remember I was in the big blind versus small blind. And the small blind called the big blind. I just mucked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, what, none of that. <laughs> yeah, I had like eight three offsuit and just folded, just gave, and then he took the big blind. I didn't even know what happened. I was like, no, nah, I wasn't playing that. Yeah, I, I was like, that's that's a that's a short strength. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> um. So, but what I was gonna say, I mean, we can reminisce about some of the times when we first started. But what would be some of the advice you would give? Because I mean, I, I know you gave him some advice. But maybe just some of the listeners who might also have a friend or friends who are, might have some interest in going to play poker. What would be some things that you would tell them? Because you can't go over too much detail strategy because as you, when we were talking to him, I mean, you have to really get, get some hours in before you can start breaking down some hands. So, like, if you could give them, not like a, like, you know, those blackjack basic strategy cards? Yeah. What would be your poker version of it? Well, I think the best advice is just play tight i think is a uh the but big one here's the other problem a lot of players don't even know what playing tight is like yeah. that means like you can tell them that and i've seen new players at the table think that king jack all in preflop is good that is tight well yeah that's a uh, so i mean what i usually tell and this this is going to be too loose for a lot of people's uh standards here i already, I already know trust me uh, <laughs> had these conversations with people, but okay. If it's too tight to the point where they're just going to sit there and watch and just fold hands for an hour and a half, they're probably not going to want to come back. Uh, what I'll usually say is if the cards add up to 20 in blackjack, go ahead and play them, uh, or 19 if they're suited, uh, play all your pocket pairs, uh, play all your suited aces. And if they're suited connectors, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, not suited one gappers or anything like that, but just suited connectors, uh, then I say go ahead and play that. Play those. Uh, that ends up being just a little over twenty percent of hands. It's like twenty two, twenty three percent. You're folding most of the time still. Did you say suited aces? I don't remember suited aces. Uh, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Uh, and these and it. But the big thing is, is these hands are fairly easy to play. Because, I mean, if you're a low pocket pair, if you don't hit, I mean, granted, me and you do not play play them this way. But as a beginner, I think, just set mine. If you hit, then pile money in there. If you don't, fold. That is kind of how I play it. Well, that's... <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you think I play it. <laughs> I mean, I don't well, do the opposite. I try every to... now and then I'll raise and it's a more aggressive action. But yeah, that's 
Well, I mean, it's not a wrong way to play either. I mean, if you're getting odds, to, I mean, especially in Texas where you get great odds to set mine a lot, not definitely not wrong. Just was weird. This is not how you and I play it, but this is what I tell them. Hit a set, put money in. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how I try to play them. <laughs> Tyler's like, I definitely don't try to hit a set and fall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you have a lot of the Broadway cards, which is going to be the majority of hands that you're playing. And if you're in there with top pair and the blinds are, I mean, and you are a hundred times a blind, I mean, if you're not just super deep stacked, you're pretty okay going. I mean, you can only go so wrong with this hand, especially in Texas where people are just, pay, you know, chasing draws to no end. And all of that. So these are just very easy hands to play. Now I'm not saying you're gonna, they're going to make them a winner, but they'll give somebody a chance to win. While I think playing enough hands that it's just not like, oh God, how can you do this? Well, I mean, I think that's great advice because you see a lot of new players playing stuff like Jack Five Offsuit and stuff like that. Right. At least that gives you kind of some framework. Yeah, exactly. So you know, you're not just yeah, you're. You're the playing hands with at least good potential or that are fairly easy to hit top pair bet. It's kind of funny because you're like, I can't guarantee you're going to win. It's like, matter of fact, you're probably not going to win. <laughs> but we can, I mean, at least you have a better chance. That's... Yeah. So, I mean, it gives you that framework. Like you say, it's, but like the hard part is like after the flop, explaining like bet sizing. And like, I mean, well, I mean, just like, okay, that vlog we watched the other day. I mean, the guy hits top pair. There's eleven dollars. He eleven dollars in the pot. He bets the pot for ten or eleven. Guy goes all in for like a hundred and twenty, and he calls with top pair. Not even great kicker. Yeah, ten kicker. Yeah. So it was. I mean, explaining that you shouldn't do that is a little bit harder. Like the bet sizing and stuff is a little bit more nuanced. But at least if somebody has a good pre-flop strategy, it puts them on the right path. Right, and just anything can happen from there. <laughs> you can go down all sorts of paths. But I always thought that was great advice, though. I, yeah, I, I, I'm glad because, I mean, I try to get – I like to grow the game and like to see people do it because, I mean, I think it's a great – it's a fun – a very fun hobby to have. Not everybody's going to be profitable. Uh, but if you play it right, it's also not going to be super expensive either. I mean, and if you just play responsibly out of money that you know you're going to lose and you go there to have a good time, you can have a great time. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, a lot of my family is, like, just poker. You could never make money, regardless of what I say. And at this at this point, I've just quit arguing that I do. I'm like, well, you're going to pay for entertainment somewhere, whether it's golf, whether it's fishing, whether it's something. I mean, you're going to – so I'm like, this is just the money I use. Yeah. Um. The other thing I was going to say, too, is it's always kind of weird to try to explain to, like, new players how, like, the dealer will make the change for you and stuff. Yeah, I was trying to explain that to him because I, I constantly see like you'll see new players at the table and they'll be like putting money and they're like putting it back like like if the dealer takes it like they're just gonna lose five dollars instead of the three. I'm like because I see that a lot at as places like especially that are very like new player friendly like Paramount. I see that all the time. Well, and the other one I forgot to tell him is stack your chips in stacks of twenty. It's always That's a little true. awkward whenever you see someone with like thirty stacks of ten. That's true. That is a good point. <laughs> just all around them, just little tiny <laughs> stacks everywhere. 
But yeah, so that's I'm hope he has a good like I say I hope that I hope he has a good time and enjoys it because like I say I think it's uh, just a really really great fun hobby to have. So well uh, I mean I would say this is the other advice I give for new players is I I only say cash is better in the long run by far, but you do get more play for your money in a tournament at the very beginning. Like, the rake's high, and you're not going to beat that tournament, but you're definitely going to get more play for your money in a tournament. Well, and you can find a lot cheaper tournaments. Exactly. So I think people should start out on tournaments, get used to the betting, get used to the bet sizing, get used to having different stack size, you know, whether you have 100 or 50 big blinds. Uh, Get used to feeling like how top pair is good or if it's not good. And then as you get better at those, because you're probably... You might win. I mean, you're going to win some. You're probably not going to be super profitable. Uh, but start there and then kind of slowly move to cash, I think, is usually the better route to go. But how many people like to do that? I mean, I've seen a lot, but then I've seen a lot that just seem to have no interest in that and want to go on the cash game streets. Seems like, I mean, everyone that we've tried to get in recently wanted nothing to do with They did the tournaments, but just wanted to do cash. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, like, you can do that, but... I feel like at least, I mean, even if it's four or five times, give the tournament a deal. So you just get used to messing with the chips. Get used to, you know, the rules of it. You putting money out or, you know, one chip's a call. Instead, just all the random little stuff that, you know, will kind of throw uh, players at the beginning. And I guess we'll close out on this, just kind of a little topic. When I was starting off, I mean, the advice I wish I had was how much money to buy in for. Which money to buy? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, because I would play one three, but I'd I'd just buy him for a hundred dollars. I don't. This is kind of a tough a tough one. I I think I mean we only say a hundred times the blind, but there's a lot of people that's just really tough. I mean, this is the whole. This kind of goes back to my thing on tournaments is you can buy in for a hundred and have chips to play. You know, have a hundred. Uh, like a hundred big blinds and stuff. Oh, I mean, when I was doing, when I was buying it for a hundred, I was in school, you know, not working. So I didn't, I really couldn't buy him for much more. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was kind of the casino money when I would go. Well, and I don't think, especially for a beginner, I don't think short stacking is really a bad play. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think, I mean, once I started buying it for 150, I immediately started seeing better results. Yeah. Buying for 200, I was like, oh, wow, I am really can really do some stuff. But I didn't know until I tried it. Well, because this is tough. Cause, I mean, like, when, when players are short stack, your edge kind of becomes, if you're a better player, your edge becomes way less. Because, I mean, if, I mean, if you're both, you know, 300 big blinds deep, and they're going to stack off a top pair for 300 big blinds, Huge edge there. But if they are, if they got $60 <laughs> in a 1 3 game, guess what? If they stack off a top pair, that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I thought that was good. I mean, all that was good advice and just some things. If I guess if anyone listening has friends trying to get into it, that that's some stuff that you could either tell them, God, you could even tell them to skip to the end of this podcast to listen. But <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess. You know, we'll be back next week with, I mean, I'll finally have played one hand of poker.
And I'll have been back from Vegas, so we'll uh, we'll let you know how that trip goes. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll conclude this episode of the Texas Poker Podcast. That was episode forty-two. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up, add time, and we'll see you next week.